team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we draw, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podski Weeby. I'm Josh Smith. <laughs> Mike Graham. Is, There's something confused this, about your name there. Well, I mean, I'm just like, it's been so long. Like, is this, is that how we start? Like, right, yes. last week we weren't here. The week before you did it by yourself. It's been like, feels like it's been a month since you and I sat down mm. to talk about some stuff. And of course, the first one back is a bi-week show. So we don't even have all that much to talk about. But yeah, it just, it feels a little, I feel a little rusty, I think is the case here, buddy. Yeah, it's very odd that, you know, one week you won't be able to do it. And then the following week, I won't be able to do it. But, uh, you know, we're coming back strong now. We're heading into the playoffs. We're going to be covering this team um, from every angle. We're going to have some fun things to announce, I believe, when the playoffs start. So uh, yep. we're back at it, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I mean shit happens. And that's yep. life sometimes gets in the way of being able to do the stuff that we want to have fun with. Uh, but that's just the way things go. But we're back for this week. Uh, unfortunately, as you like to start off on when you do your Podski Wawa show for Patreon, we're talking about a tie Cats loss. So I'm stealing a line from you there, buddy. Unfortunately, we're talking about a tie Cats loss. We didn't get a chance to do a live show. I did do a little bit of my own sort of post-game analysis, both for Three Down Nation and my post-game piece that I always do. But I did a special Patreon episode as well. So I have some stuff there. If You, you might hear some of the same thoughts I have there, but maybe we'll change things. It's been a few days since that game happened. So... Ticats lose 33 to 30 to the BC Lions, ends their hopes of finishing second in the East. What what did you take away? Like, what do you want to kind of talk about from this game? Like, is it wrong for me to say this was a really exciting football game? No, it it absolutely was. And we were talking before we recorded. And if you're a you know unbiased observer of the game, it would have been very entertaining. If you're a Ticats fan, you're pulling your hair out because it was so uh dr- dramatic and stressful but absolutely 33 to 30 offenses were were uh, high octane both on both sides uh came down to the last second field goal it, it was a great game there's no doubting it neither of these teams punted after the first quarter like that's incredible like there was a punt by the tie cats in the third quarter that was negated by a penalty but neither of these teams registered an actual punt after the first quarter of play. like that's that's exactly what you want when you sit down and watch a game. 63 combined points back and forth. Like it was every single possession. I, th- I think I marked it down of the final 13 possessions combined between these two teams, six touchdowns, six field goals and an interception. And I'm sure we'll get into in great detail, which is one of the most amazing catches you'll, you'll see all year, regardless of whatever football league you watch. But this is again, like you said, if you're impartial, you loved it. If you're a tie cat fan, this was kind of, eerily reminiscent of what we've seen from this team over the past couple of years. Like how many times in 2021 did this team have a lead late in the fourth quarter 
and blow it. And they did it again here. Now they wouldn't have, they would have lost the opportunity to clinch second regardless because the Montreal Alouettes beat the Edmonton Elks the next day. But this game solidified that they got one game to go. We know they're going to be in third place. I've said this ad nauseum. I'm sure you already know it, Mike, but maybe some of the audience members don't. No team in the East has made the Grey Cup from the third spot in the East Division in 53 years. So 1970 Montreal Alouettes were the last team to go from the third place team in the East to the Grey Cup. They won the Grey Cup that year. It's a hard thing to do. I think I, I did the math. I think eight or nine times it's happened in the West. They've gotten there over the same span. So even in the West, like over that time, it's not a ton of three seeds to get there because you got to go win two road playoff games. And that's difficult for anybody what do you make of of this game, though? So we've kind of talked about it. Where do you want to start? Do you want to talk quarterbacks? Do you want to talk Timmy White now being the lead's leading receiver? What do you want to get into to, uh, at the beginning of this thing? I want to cut through all the crap, and I want to talk about Mark Washington's phone. Uh, why? Ugh. Okay, so they get that. Okay, and I know I'm going right to the end of the game here. but That's fine. They get that holding penalty, and it pushes them back to the 51-yard line. And that 58-yard mm-hmm. field goal from Sean White isn't doable, okay? No, Sean White takes a field goal. If, you, if it's a 34 earlier, yards, it takes it 35 yards, okay? Like, he's just not possible. And then Mark Washington, four seconds is obviously enough time to get a pass off and then get down. Why in the hell were we playing prevent defense? We're just, just yeah. here, just have the 10 yards back. Just have it back. Here it is. Take the field goal, 48 yards. Easy peasy. Why were we doing that? I do, I do not understand. Yeah, because the thing, too, is you're not worried about getting beat deep. Because if you get beat deep, the game's over anyway. But if you get beat short, the game's over because they're going to make a 45-yard field goal. I think it was, what, 48 yards was the the thing. And Sean White had had his earlier field goals had barely cleared the crossbar. I know it was going in the other direction, but there wasn't a ton of wins. So we know he doesn't have a big leg, especially at this later stages of, of his career. It was That was very frustrating. Like, I was watching the game and didn't even, like, when they get the penalty to push him back, I'm thinking, oh, they're at a field goal range. Like, this is a huck to the end zone, and we're going overtime. Like, it didn't even dawn on me that they would they would be able to pick up 10 to 12 yards and, and get the field goal back. And love the guy to death. What's Simone Lawrence doing in that situation, not not letting the guy get back up? Like, I've, I saw some comments online about, oh, well, he gave himself up so the clock would have stopped. It's like, I don't know, man. Instincts kind of, I understand instinct kicked in with Simone on that as well. But I think instincts would have kicked in with the receiver. I mean, we saw it. What was it? Was it BC's game against Winnipeg a couple weeks back where Dominique Grimes, I think it was, breaks a tackle and then breaks another tackle and is trying to score a touchdown, gets tackled. That game goes to overtime. If he goes down there, you know, in those situations, sometimes your brain just short circuits. I get it. But in that situation, it's got to be, okay, if they pick up any yards, you hold the receiver up or you wait until that clock hits zero. I'm a little iffy. On, and I know they showed it on the broadcast that it was at 0.8 seconds. There's no, there's no point anything seconds on a football clock. That's not how the football clock works. Maybe it should like basketball and hockey, but it doesn't. I'm four seconds to get a playoff to me is, I don't know if that's should have been possible in my opinion, but that's neither here nor there, but you're right. Like to be playing again, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, worrying about getting beat deep. 15, 20. I just don't understand the 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 thought process of like I understand you want to you want to bring spy the quarterback bring rush three 
Put eight men in coverage, but get those for, get that front line up on the line of scrimmage. Throw three guys. Like, I don't know, man. It just it just felt very frustrating that this this not not to say they would have gone to overtime and won. I'm not saying that at all, but to kind of hand it to them, yeah, a little disappointing. Like, can't there be two men deep or or three men deep and have some players up on the line? You know, making sure that they don't get a quick pass off and then down it, and then Sean White just comes in and kicks the field goal, like. And, if you, very- and here's the thing, though. If you get beat deep, you get beat deep, so be it. You know what I mean? I'd rather them play aggressive and lose that way than play passive. And like that's it's a more frustrating loss when they're sitting back, letting the offense dictate versus getting in their face, even taking a penalty. You know what I mean? Like there are so many things we saw it. If you I don't know if you watched the Sunday night game between the Buffalo Bills, and New York Giants. Bills got called for a penalty in the end zone, set the Giants up at the one yard line with no time left on the clock committed another penalty that didn't get called but you know i'd rather i'd much rather a defense be aggressive and have that happen because then you can go well okay they they tried it didn't work they got the call whatever have it it's just it was very frustrating seeing them not give up but essentially like you said here's here's your 10 yards just take it right back yeah but yeah, I mean, uh, other than that, uh, obviously that was at the very end, but we can get into the quarterbacks if you want, which is more of a positive story, I would say. Um, yeah, for start sure. With Bo, start with Bo. I uh, mean, <clears throat> pardon me. Yep. Uh, he had one bad throw. One he had terrible. one bad throw. Uh, it was horrendous. Uh, yeah, uh, like it was, it was God awful. It was yeah, he bounced a back. throw he can't make. Um, I, I saw some comments of, oh, well, if you take that pit, pick six off the board, that's not how the game works. That's not how football works. It's if that doesn't happen, the whole course of the game changes, your strategy changes. I, I hate when people like nitpick like that, like, well, if you move, take that away, that's not how the games go. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a horrendous interception. There's no doubt about it. Other than that, though, he looked really good. And yes. I thought outside of that one throw, he went 13 and 19 for a buck 35, two touchdowns in that pick. And yeah, okay, so he threw five more incompletions. But outside of that throw, like those two touchdown drives he led, he looked great. Like the protection wasn't awesome uh, against BC. I thought BC got a little bit more of a pass rush. The running game wasn't entirely there. But both quarterbacks, and we'll, we'll focus on Mitchell here. I thought he stood in there. I thought he delivered some good balls. I thought the two touchdown passes were really like it was spot on decision making on his part with those. Like the ball came, like he knew where he wanted to go right off the hop, and he went there and it and it worked. That's and, and I know it's only three quarters, but that's three quarters of good football that he's put on tape since coming back from that injury. I don't know how much we're going to see him against Montreal in a couple of weeks, but does this in any way? give you a little bit more confidence in his ability come the postseason to win a couple of games and get this team into the final? Yeah, it gives me more confidence. It's just so much better than what we've seen from him in uh, earlier on in the year. And the one thing that I really, really liked was when he threw that pick, it was so obvious that it was his fault and he took responsibility. Yeah. Saw him tap his chest and go, my bad. And we, we, I've been harping on it for years that he never used to do that. So it was nice to see a little bit of um, responsibility on his part. But you're absolutely right. After that interception, he was lights out. And uh, it uh, it makes me think that we can compete in the playoffs. Now, I, I don't know if we're going to 
you know, make a push to the Grey Cup. I don't know if we're going to win one game, but I think we will be competitive because this offense, the quarterbacks and the offense as a whole is showing that they can put up points. Like against the BC Lions, they 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 showed a lot of moxie right? and they showed a lot of guts hanging in with them, point, you know, touchdown for touchdown, coming back, not giving up. So it gives me a lot more hope than what I had in, uh, you know, in previous weeks. Well, that's the thing with this one, too, is this was the first time I think we've seen all season where they were in a back and forth game where it was like it it was a very slow first quarter for both teams, really three nothing after after one. But then I think the Cats scored a touchdown. I mean, look, I can't I can't remember if they kicked the field goal first to score a touchdown. Um, oh, they scored. They, oh, yeah, yeah, it was 10 nothing. It was 10 nothing for the Lions because that was the pick six. It was they got the field goal, and then I think it was the very next drive they got the pick six, or soon thereafter they got the pick six. And then it was okay, our backs against the wall. They go down and score. Then BC, you know what I mean? Then they, they I think they got another punt, or maybe they, I can't remember. I, you know, I don't remember again. It's been a few days, but I don't remember how the game entirely went. But they went score for score with the Lions. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was tied, and then a team would score, and then the other team would come back. And yeah, you can look at that and go, oh, what they lost. And it's like, yeah, okay, they lost. And that's part of the story too. But normally when we've seen this team win, it's been, they got a big lead against Edmonton in Edmonton. They got a big lead against BC when these two teams met in August. They blew the doors off the Red Blacks and then Ottawa made a bit of a comeback. You know what I mean? It hasn't been this tit for tat, one for one. They get three, we get three, they get seven, we get seven type game. This was the first we've seen that, and they held their own. And this is where I got to eat a a bucket full of of black bird here, buddy. The Scott Milanovic offense that I thought would fade as the season went on hasn't. Mm-hmm. It's been good for the most part the entire, like with the exception of games, I guess, against Toronto and the very first game against Edmonton. This team's scoring 25, 27, 30, 30. You know what I mean? Like they're putting points on the board and it hasn't dissipated in, in any way. Now, I don't know if that is a case of just Milanovic calling the right place at the right time, if it's a product of the run game being emphasized. Like, because what we've seen, and I think this is the biggest advantage to this offense, is the running game wasn't great in this one. Like James Butler had 15 carries, but he only had 67 yards. But they didn't get away from it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not working, but they're still trying. And I know, you know, the modern football theorists out there, well, that's stupid. Like, stop, establish the run, blah, 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 blah. But you have to have a balanced-ish offense if you're going to make the big plays work. And there were some big plays in this game. Tim White had a big catch. Um, I think Keandre Smith had a big catch. Terry Godwin had a big, like, there were some big plays to be made in this game in the passing attack. I don't think those are there if there's a zero consideration to the fact that they might run the football in, in any given scenario. You know what I mean? So I, I was wrong, flat out wrong. I thought this team would be fine for a little bit and then they'd regress back to who they were with Condell there. That hasn't happened. And I think that makes this team even scarier come playoff time. Yeah. I admit that I was wrong as well. I thought that Scott Milanovic's offense had, uh, you know, was a little bit passe, at this point, but, uh, you know, apparently it's kind of like all the same offenses uh, run in the CFL, maybe a little bit of difference here and there, but they're basically running that uh, Mark Tressman style of offense that had such success, you know, in the early or mid 2010s to late 2010s. And uh, I didn't think it would work out that great. I was wrong could it, as well. 
Could it be what's old is new again? Like we got away from that sort of West Coast offense, Trustman style offense, and went to the more spread, take take deep shot. You know what I mean? Like that's where the offenses went. The June Jones style offense, which was, you know, get all the fast guys on the field. What we're seeing in the NFL now with like the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs and all that. And then you see a team like the Ticats who are running. They run plays from under center, which you almost never see. They're running, you know, eye formation stuff, which you almost never see anymore. Like maybe the Ticats are running an offense similar in a way to like the San Francisco 49ers run in the NFL right now, where it's a it's a power based physical, more physical offense with some of the razzle dazzle thrown in there as well, because they do have some skill position players on the outside. Speaking of Tim White, man, what can you say about him? He's been on an absolute roll these last few weeks, has he not? Absolutely. Seven receptions for 112 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, the guy is, I think he's leading the league in uh, receiving yards. He's, he is. Uh, and Dalton Schoen is out, might be out for this week, who's hot on his heels. Tim White could very well win the receiving title this year. Yeah. And he's tied for third with uh, uh, receiving touchdowns with eight. So it's been, you know, at times this year, it was he kind of disappeared in certain games, but he's really come on strong in the second half of the season. And the thing that's really impressed me about this Ticat offense is they're spreading the ball around to different yep. receivers. For example, in this game against the BC Lions, they had two, four, seven receivers catch a ball, and they threw one to Darrell Walker that he didn't Who, come and back. He, and he nearly caught a touchdown too, but he bobbled yeah. it. He couldn't get his feet in, where that would have been a score as well. Yep, so it would have been eight receptions from eight different receivers. So that's a good thing to see. You know, Tim White is contributing big time, you know, with over 100 yards in multiple games. But then you have the secondary receivers like Godwin and Smith. And even like a guy like McAllister who are lending, you know, Keandre Smith had 70 yards. Terry Godwin had 64 yards. James Butler of the backfield had 47 yards. So you have these secondary guys that are contributing as well. So it makes for a well-rounded offense. Yeah, I guess we'll have to find out if Tim White can win the receiving crown this year if he plays. Because that last game in Montreal means nothing. Be curious to see who does and doesn't play. Because both teams essentially can give some of their maybe more banged up veteran players their own bye week if they wanted to. So it'll be interesting to see. how. And now both those teams are also off this week. So it'll be kind of curious to see how both teams, like, do you want two weeks off? Like, well, you know what I mean? Like, it, I'm very curious how both... Uh, both Montreal and Hamilton handle this, this final meaningless quote unquote game. Um, we, I, you know what? We moved on from the quarterbacks. You soon. What do you want to say about Matthew Schultz? what do you like about, what do you like? what do you dislike? How do you think he played? Uh, I thought Schultz was great. Once again, uh, you know, he comes in and it's tough to just come into a game as a quarterback and be, you know, warmed up or, or ready to go. But he went 14 from 19, 180 yards, a touchdown. He, Ran the offense very effectively. I thought both quarterbacks looked great in this one. What'd you make of the officiating? Because this was a topic of conversation following the game. And it's actually been a topic of conversation amongst all pro football the last little while. Kind of the questionable decision-making. Matthew Schultz had a touchdown called back on a hold. There, There's, you know, still frame footage of Keon, Keon Hacker potentially being offside on the the catch that set up the game-winning field goal. There was a the bizarre... Uh, quick whistle on like Terry Godwin catches the pass and fumbles. The, the boost says, Oh, it's because his forward progress was stopped. But how often do we see forward progress in the same vein? Not, not like stopped like that, but they don't blow the whistle that quickly. That saved the tie cats of possession. There was a pass interference. I don't remember when, but it was, it was somewhat, 
there was a throw to the end zone from Vernon Adams. There looked like there was pass interference there. They didn't call it. Felt like a tough night for the Zebras, in my opinion. What what did you make of that? Is that uh, something that you concern yourself about? Or just like the players played, the game came down to the wire, and the best team won? Or were you a little perturbed by what you saw from the men in stripes? A little perturbed. You know, there was some questionable calls there. I thought that the holding call when the when Schultz scored the touchdown, I think I think that was a holding call. Um, but other ones were questionable. You know, I thought I think the referees have improved over the years. Like I can remember, I uh, um, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe a little bit more than that. It was just atrocious. Like there were flags on almost every single play, it seemed. And it was almost it was making the CFL unwatchable. And as the years went on, you know, it got better, I feel. And I feel like this season there's been less and less penalties. And maybe maybe I'm wrong about that, you know, if you look at the actual statistics of it. But it seems to me, watching it, like, almost every game, that it's there's better flow. There's not referees stopping play every single, you know, time they get a chance to. Um, but, yeah, that night, it wasn't great. There's no doubting it. One of my biggest issues is... When and if the command center will get involved, like I'm sure it's out there and I should probably know this as someone who covers this league, but it doesn't not feel, and we kind of saw it in the game that happened after this one, the the Stampeders and the Riders game, which ended with like three or four, just like we're going to the booth to, and not, not like we're like, we're not checking, but we're not challenged. Like just when and where the command center can come in and reverse calls and change calls without like, does it not feel haphazard to you? Like it just, it feels as if it's just like, Oh, we're going to fix this one, but we're not going to fix that one. Like I I just don't understand when and where they can get involved. And I'm not sure if anyone really does. No. And that's, that should be clarified. It should be clarified. Okay. the, The command center can come in on this penalty but they can't come in on this penalty. But you're right. It seems like certain things that look like they could be challenged and, the, you know, you, something that you could take a second look at and they don't even bother. And then they, you know, they take a look at something else that it, it's very here and there. And uh, I don't know the exact rules of it. And it would be nice to know what they can and cannot reverse. Well, and it's things like, it's it to me it's not even what they can it can't it's that they do it for one but not not like sometimes they'll come down and be like oh there was a quote i don't i don't know what phraseology they use but like an expedited review by the command center and that was an incomplete pass but then there's another one where it's clearly an incomplete pass but the coach has to challenge it you know what i mean like that to me is where i get frustrated in trying to figure out when and where like i they're doing it in the nfl too like they have like they have these where, where the video booth will call down and be like, no, it's actually this. And that seems like, I just don't know. Like in college football, there are no challenges. It's all booth reviews. I just don't know what the answer is. Like, I feel like replay came in to correct the obvious egregious errors. Like he did not score a touchdown or he's down before he crosses the line of scrimmage or he didn't get the first down. Like, I feel as if we've gotten to the point where with review that we're trying to make it perfect. And I feel like that's where fans I'll speak for myself, but I feel like I can speak for others as well. I think that's where fans get frustrated because you're, you're striving for perfection, but then you're kind of willy nilly deciding when and where you're going to apply the perfection. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it, it does. And it, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a head scratcher to me. You never know which play is going to be reviewed and which play isn't. And yeah, it's, uh, I think they've overdone it a bit and maybe we should just get back to the drawing table and say, we're only going to do this. Like you said, when there's like a scoring play or an egregious thing that is missed. Yeah. Did you see Dave Naylor put <laughs> a tweet saying that uh, CFL replay for pass interference has been excellently handled since it's been implemented? No, not so much. <laughs> not remotely. Like how many times have you seen a play? It's like, that's clearly pass interference and someone challenged it. And it's not a replay is Im- as is as imperfect. Cause again, we expect it to be perfect, but it's, it's still a person making a decision, right? Like it's still a human being using their judgment to decide on something. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but it, also, I, it feels as if there needs to be some sort of leveling out here. Yes. And also in the CFL, it's it's not the NFL. They don't have a million cameras at every single yeah. game. So you're not going to have the angles that you might have in the NFL. So it, 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 it's tougher. It's definitely tougher. So what was also tough in this game was the secondary. They got routinely abused, and not all of it was really their fault. We saw Richard Leonard go out. Then we saw Nick Cross suffer what I'm assuming, can only assume, is a season-ending injury as he was carted off the field. That forced a massive reshuffling of the secondary. They were picked apart. Patrick Burt Jr., who is a rookie, came in and played Sam Linebacker. I believe it was the Alexander Hollins touchdown where he was in coverage and just looked completely lost. It seemed as if Vernon Adams was picking on them. We'll talk about the Dexter Lawson Jr. interception in a second, but just from your perspective, rough night from the back five, was it not? It was, and we're so thin at defensive yeah. back. What if, like, if we have injuries in the playoffs, like, what are we going to do? Like, I, and I, I know that it's tough, you know, if you're, like, I don't know if it's a fault of the Ticats for not having enough depth in that position. And we talked about before the season started, you know, you can't have an all-star squad uh, every year, right? But it's like, damn, like, who who are these guys coming in? And they, you know, you mentioned Burke, and he gets torched. And, you know, you look at Dexter Lawson Jr., he had that incredible interception, but he led the team in tackles, and I'm not sure you want to lead the tick- no. team if you're in the secondary, right? So it was a tough night for them. No, the thing is, though, and this is where I'll give – them a break any team in the league that suffered two injuries at the, to a to the same position group would be in a similar situation you know like if yeah. two how many times have we seen two offensive linemen go down in a game and some d lineman has to we, we, i mean we've seen it with the tie cats a couple times this year now granted that's when they had six linemen on the roster not seven but we've seen it before how many times have we seen i, I remember vividly in my head guys in in calgary they were they would suffer two injuries on the offensive line and some defensive linemen's on the sideline putting on a a nameless jersey so that he can go play left guard it happens because the rosters are so small so i will give them a little bit of leeway in saying like yeah i mean i thought that they weren't playing particularly well before the injuries set in like the lot like this was a back and forth game and one of the reasons was is they couldn't stop the line they did a great job stopping the run like they gave up 30 rushing yards in the game like that's incredible for this team that was getting gashed in the run all season but they gave up over 300 yards through the air and a lot of that was them picking on it now the other thing is they do start a lot of rookies back there maybe that's good for next season but this season it has seemed to be a bit of an issue like they had an entirely first year boundary side tandem will sunderland and kenneth scores jr are the two guys over there not well sunderland was with the team late last year but essentially those are two guys that are in their first year in the cfl 
Then you ha- you already had Dexter Lawson out there. And I do think these guys have gotten better as the season has gone on. And like we said, way back in February, when they made all these moves to bring in these defensive linemen, well, they're shorting the secondary and they kind of have to, because like you said, can't have everyone can't be an all-star at every position, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a, a rough night for those guys, but I, I think I'm greening it a little bit more on a curve just because those injuries didn't help at all. Like, I don't know if they would have mattered if, if Leonard doesn't get hurt and they, they get to play every, like they're playing their starting secondary, but it certainly didn't get much better when he went out of the game. No, and I feel like the defensive line didn't help them out a ton. I know that they got three sacks on the night. Two came from the interior line. Uh, Casey Sales and had two. I think they were all in like the first like 20 minutes of the game, though. Like, I yeah. think they were all really early in the game. Yeah, and then after that, it was kind of Vernon Adams had uh, a ton of time. And, and you know how mobile he is anyways. But, you know, he, he had a ton of time to uh, pick apart the secondary. And we need that pressure off the edges. You know, both of the Davises didn't have a very good night. Uh, not on the stat sheet anyways. And uh, we just need we need more pressure off the edge. Like, we can't depend on the interior D linemen getting pressure on the quarterback. That's, you know, that's not their main priority. So... Um, these guys on the outside are going to have to step up. That pick, though, that interception by by Lawson, that was incredible. That was that was one of the best catches of the year, offense or defense. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it, it looked like when I was watching on TV, anyways, it looked like oh, a touchdown. And then he just yep. flies in the screen and and grabs it one handed. Absolutely outstanding from him. But another mistake because not, and I'm not saying him taking it out of the end zone was a mistake because he got a great run back. But Muhammad Diallo does a crackback totally block. Or if that doesn't happen, we have we're in field goal range already. You know, no, I don't. I don't. Did they drive on that? They did. They ended. They ended up driving down and getting a. But they kicked a long field goal to tie the game, and they took a ton of time off the clock. Yes. But if they score a touchdown there, because here's the thing, I think the game was no. They would have been down by three at that point because they get the field goal on that drive. Score a touchdown there. They're up by four. Well, now all of a sudden, BC, with however much time they have left, is going down to score a touchdown. And the other thing is, now BC probably gets the ball back sooner, and we know that this game was back and forth, so they probably drive down and and get that score. But now the Ticats have the ball last, and they're driving for the game-tying field goal. You know what I mean? Like, it definitely would have changed the game in that way, but it could have also changed the game in the fact that Hamilton would have been up by four because they they he returns that to um, probably somewhere – in between the 25 and 35, if not closer in, in BC territory changes the outcome of the game. And it's just another instance of this team making a, I won't say catastrophic mistake, but a, uh, a self-inflicted wound that they really could not have at this point. This game was too close. And and if you look at how many mistakes the lions made in that regard, where they hurt themselves versus how many the tie cats made, there's kind of your difference in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And you just, you know, I know that that rule has been in the league a couple of years now, the crack. Uh, yeah, block. crack back block. Yeah, that's what it is. You just can't be doing that anymore. Like, it's just yeah. like, it just infuriates me. Is but like on these big returns and these these big interception returns, it's like there just always seems to be a penalty for some guy doing an illegal block or a holding. It's like, don't do that. <laughs> like just block within the rules like I, it just happens so much in the cfl it's like just get these guys together in a room and tell them you're going to get caught if you're holding on, on a on a return or an interception return so just, just stop doing that 
Dane Evans returns and sticks it in their gut. Like you got to think that there are a bunch of people in the stands because how many, how often did we hear, Oh, he's going to come back and kill us. He's going to come back and kill us. And it's like, he's the backup quarterback. And then he comes in for one series, drives him 42 yards. It was, uh, it was, they gave him a night, really nice tribute video at the game, which they have done for some players. I think they did it with Jeremiah Mazzoli this year. They did it with Julian Hauser for some reason, which I thought was a little weird, but I don't really think of him as someone worthy. Like, I know he was here for half a decade, but he's not, to me, like, thank you for your time here, video worthy. Dane obviously is, helps guide this team to a pair of great cups. But, ah, uh, oh, man, like, when he came in, I, I just had a feeling like, uh, he's going to drive them down and stick this in our belly, and that's exactly what he did. What do you think? You know, uh, I think every pass he made was for a first down. He it was four four for forty two yards, and obviously that that last pass was a gimme because we were playing twenty mm-hmm. yards off the receivers. But but yeah, he came in, he did his job very effectively, and he and he won the game for the Lions. So um, it sucks, but uh, my hats off to him. You know, he was obviously highly motivated. He he was probably you know salivating at the opportunity when he came in, and he made, made the best out of it. Uh, anything else you want to talk about from the game? Is there anything we didn't touch on? I feel like we've hit all the kind of the big points here. It was an exciting game. It was a fun game. It didn't have the outcome we wanted. I don't think that there's a ton like that we touched on the mistakes, touched on the good things. Like, is there anything else you could think of from last Friday that you'd want to bring up or do you want to just move on? I think we should just move on. I got my Mark Washington, um, you got your rant out of the way. Got my rant out of the way. And, uh, yeah, I think we're good to move on from this one. Hey, you know what, though? Eight and nine, buddy. We win the next game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that when they lost. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to beat. Because Montreal's not locked into the two seed. They're yep. probably going to sit for Jardo. We're probably getting Caleb Evans. Holy smokes, this team's going to go nine and nine. But nine and nine is good for this team. They they they, yeah. they get to yeah. the Grey Cup nine and nine. So I'll take nine and nine. Yeah, and I, I really want them to get there. Because I it's like a nitpicky thing of mine. I just hate and it doesn't matter once you get into the game, once you would start watching the playoff game. Under but 500 I, teams making the yeah, playoffs. I just, don't, I just yeah. don't like it. I don't like it. So let's get to 9-9, nine nine, boys. Come how on. do you how do you feel about the, the race for third in the West then? Because <laughs> yeah. one of those teams is going to get in at like six wins. Yeah, that's brutal. I don't I don't remember. I'm sure there's been a team that was 7-11 um, in recent oh, the years. Cats, the, the Ticats the, the finished second in the East at 7-11 one year. 2016 yeah. when they hosted Oof. Edmonton. The bad, bad Eastern Division um, that year. Uh, it sucks. I mean, I, I, I'd like in a perfect world, I'd like every team to be at least, you know, the last, that last playoff to be, team to be nine and nine. You know, no under five hundred teams. But you know, you see it in other sports too. I, I remember basketball in the NBA. There were teams in the Eastern Conference that would be under five hundred. Those seven, eight seeds. Yeah. Yeah, so you know it is. We've what seen it is. we've seen recently some NFL division winners like yeah. uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, went eight and nine, won the won the NFC South. Uh, yeah. uh, Carolina did it. So we've seen we've seen yeah, under five hundred teams make the I playoffs. Think the Seahawks did it one year before they yep. went on that. They were the stretch. very first. They, they were the very first one. Yeah, so it happens. Uh, I I don't want this team to go in below five hundred. So let, let's get in and we'll be. We nine and nine, and then if we win a championship, we'll be twelve and nine. There you go. Yeah, and there you go, and that that's the way you got to look at it. Okay, uh, so there's obviously no tie cats news to talk about. They're on our bye week this week. They've all left the city essentially, They've gotten away. Last bye week of the season. Can't believe the season's all already gone. But there was some interesting international football news, I guess, that we can we're gonna have a little fun with here. 
The Olympics have added flag football to their list of events for the 2028 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. I never thought I'd see the day. I remember way, way, way back. Like I'm talking when I was in my teenage years, thinking like, talking to my grandfather and thinking like, man, why don't they ever like, why isn't football an Olympic sport? And he was like, well, it's, you know, too physical. Like you can't play. And the Olympics aren't long enough to play tackle football. It's like, yeah, that's a good point. He goes, and the Americans would just kill everybody. Like they don't play football. And this, again, this was 25, 30 years ago. What football wasn't as global a game as it is now, but flag football, this, this sounds like this could be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Like I, I don't watch a ton of Olympic sports. I don't know about you. I'm going to tune into this. What about you? Are you going to watch flag football in 2028? Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? And like you said, you know, you can't, you can't play tackle football in the Olympics because it's just too no. short of a uh, short of a time. And, you know, a, a lot of factors, but flag football, yeah, that could be done. There's no physicality in flag football. And, um, you know, the competition might not be as slanted as it would be if it was straight up tackle football, you know, the, you know, the defensive lines and offensive lines, the Americans would probably dominate the rest of the world. But if you're just playing flag football, I think you could have some pretty good competition. So, you know, it wasn't thing I it wasn't a thing I was pushing for or anything like that. But now that it's arrived, I'm like, okay, I'll tune in. Are you are you a big Olympics guy? Do you watch the Winter and Summer Olympics? No, not really. Yeah, me neither. I, sometimes I watch the basketball. Maybe I'll tune in for some winter stuff. But yeah, I never, I never like when I was younger, I, I got into it. I mean, maybe because like especially Summer Olympics, they happen in July. You're at home school year you know what i mean like you're out of school there's nothing you're like they're playing these games in barcelona or they're playing them in i mean the the one i remember the most was 96 in in atlanta but it's like uh there's you know not not as much as going on i just i was never big i it, the thing is to me and i'm curious to hear what our listeners have to say i just always felt hypocritical giving a shit about like bobsled Yes. For two weeks out of the year when I don't give a flying fuck about it for three and like for three years, 11 months and two weeks, I don't even think about it. And then all of a sudden I'm supposed to be like, yay, bobsled or yeah, you know what I mean? Like I always just felt really, I don't know, felt phony to be to be cheering for that stuff. You know what I mean? Like I know there's people out there that love those sports. Great for them. I just couldn't get into them. That was the same way. I, I felt like <clears throat> You know, it's a little bit kind of, you know, I don't want to say phony, but, you know, no one, no one, no one watches ski jump, you know, <laughs> no, no one's paying attention to ski jump and, and uh, whatever. So I, I felt a little hypocritical or, um, you know, phony watching them and pretending I cared for only these two weeks and then completely ignoring it the rest of the time. So I felt the same way as you. Yeah. Pretending I know who these people are and like being an expert on like diving, like, ah, you Look, that's that's not me. I'll I'll stick to the things I know about. What we do know about though here is football. So what we're gonna do, we decided to have a little fun with this. I don't know what the rules are going to be in five years' time for the flag football rosters, but I mean, if Canada's allowed to play with some pros, this could be a pretty formidable team. So Mike and I are gonna sit here. We're gonna pick our ultimate Canadian lineup using. Pros, I guess you could use. There's a ton of guys in the NCAA. Obviously, there's guys in U Sports, NFL, CFL. We're just gonna build out what we think is our best roster 
for a flag football team. We're taking ages out of it. I, I was going to do the thing where it's like, because I know this is happening five years, four and a half years from now. I'm taking ages out of it. You know what I mean? Like I, that would be, ended up becoming like a little too complicated. Now we're getting a little too nuanced. I just want this to be fun. So we're going to pick a quarterback, a running back, two receivers, kind of a tight end slash slot backy sized guy for the offense. And then on defense, we're going to pick one defensive lineman, one linebacker, two defensive backs, and then kind of like a, a coverage linebacker, like what would be like kind of a Sam linebacker, maybe a safety, but also like kind of another DB. So why don't we just get this started? We'll, we'll talk about the quarterbacks, Mike. So who's, who are you picking for your quarterback for your dream team to steal a phrase from the Americans Canadian flag football squad? Uh, I think we're going to have the same answer, Nathan Rourke. I just yeah. feel like he's the best Canadian quarterback that's around right now. <clears throat> There's no competition. So it's got to be Nathan Rourke. There are some interesting to kind of, you know, get the discussion going. Trey Ford was a possibility here. There's that kid who's the starting quarterback at the University of Pittsburgh. I wish I could remember his name, but I don't. There's also Nathan's brother, Curtis, who could be a pretty good quarterback. But the the answer is Nathan Rourke here. The fact that there is multiple Canadians, like wouldn't Trey, don't you think Trey Ford, maybe with his mobility, might even be a better I don't. I don't know if you, if quarterbacks can run in flag football. Uh, maybe I, I should have looked up the rules more than I did. But maybe Trey Ford with some of his like Nathan Rourke's the pick. Don't get me wrong, but we're seeing more and more Canadian quarterbacks. That's a good thing for the game. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I, I'm not up to date on the exact rules of flag football, but he, you know, Trey Ford wouldn't be a terrible pick if he can just run around like a like a crazy man. And you know, we know he's good at that. So. Um, if we're, if we're picking, you know, passing quarterbacks, you'd have to go with Rourke, but you know, Trey Ford would not be a bad pick as well. Cause I wasn't equating, you know, I wasn't thinking about, okay, maybe Nathan Rourke would be a better pick if we're playing actual football, but if we're playing flag, maybe Trey's a better pick. So I think, I don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys. No. And, and if, if this would have come about 10 years ago, we would have had a much more difficult time picking 15 years ago, picking who the quarterback would be. Cause it was pretty Pretty barren at that position when it came to Canadians, but now pretty good talent out there. All right, running back. Who are you taking for your flag football running back? I got Chuba Chuba Hubbard. Oh, Chuba uh, Hubbard. Yes, the uh, Canadian playing in the NFL. Is he still with the Panthers? Yep. Okay, he's still with the Panthers. I don't think he's a starting running back, but a hell of a running back in college, and I think he would do a great job. Uh, so he's obviously... Makes sense. He's on my list of guys that I was considering. Uh, Brady Oliveira, if you want the Canadian Football League tinge. I'm going Chase Brown. He was the top Canadian in the NCAA last year, won the John Cornish Award. He is with the Cincinnati Bengals right now. He was excellent at the University of Illinois. Chuba Hubbard, that was a pretty damn good pick. But uh, I'm going to stick with Chase Brown. I like Chase Brown as my pick. So, uh, that's pretty good. All right, let's 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 flip over to the receivers, Mike. A lot of talent here, both north and south of the border when it comes to picks here. There's a lot of places you could go. Who's your first receiver that you're taking here? I'm taking the young guy, Josh Palmer. He's a receiver in the oh. NFL and showing some really good things in his, I believe it's his rookie season this year. Uh, um, second year, I think. Okay, second year. Um, really talented dude. And then uh, a CFL pick, I'm going Nick Dembski. I just think he has the speed. Oh, okay. 
well in flag football. He's very um, reliable catching the ball. So those are my two picks. Maybe a little bit uh, outside of the box, but those are the guys I'm going with. All right. I don't I don't hate those picks. I don't hate those picks at all. Uh, I'm going John Mechie the third. Uh, I know he's had the cancer issues, uh, but he went to the University of Alabama. He plays for the Houston Texans. He was excellent in university at the collegiate level with with the Crimson Tide. I really like him. And I had such a hard time with my second. Like the, I was going through a ton of guys trying to pick my second one. And I took the one of the guys you took. I took Josh Palmer. Uh, plays for the Chargers. I know my, my list is a little more NFL heavy than I, I had hoped it would be. I hope there'd be more CFL guys in here. But the NFL... Like Canadian talent has been so we've seen so much more of it over the last few years. And a lot of it is coming from is going to the NFL as opposed to staying up here. Like we're, we didn't mention, I mean, I know he's fallen out of favor recently, but Chase Claypool is down there in the NFL. And then of course there's the oh man, you, you said Nick Dembski, there's the Philpot twins, there's Schaefer Baker, there's Keandre Smith with the tie cats. Like there's so many good Canadian receivers. I'm probably even forgetting a couple, but I got to go with the two guys that are playing down South because Palmer especially is, has carved out a pretty nice role for himself with the chargers. I think Mechie will eventually with the Texans, but those are my going to be my two receivers. All right. Who's your like slot back, your tight end, your like bigger bodied guy in, in your receiving court here to kind of round out your offense. I looked at guys like uh chase Claypool. Um, but I, I don't, I don't want that guy on my team. Um, so I'm going yeah. with Nikhil Harry. He's uh mm. he's in the in the NFL right now. He's six foot four. He's a big frame. So I think he would do well at that tight end type position. I am going to go with this. This I I narrowed it down to three. And I you know what I I'm gonna I'm gonna have you help me pick this one here. So I got Keen Schaefer Baker, who's a receiver in the CFL, plays the slot, but he's a bit of a bigger dude. I got. Risen John, who plays for the Stampeders, but he played some tight end with, I think he went down to the New York Giants last year and played a little bit of tight end. And Nikola Kalinich, our old friend from the Ticats, who now I believe is with the Rams. He was with the Colts. Those are the kind of the bigger body guys. Mike, I'm having a real hard time. I think I think I'm going to go Nico. I know he doesn't have the smoothest hands, but he's a he's a pretty big dude. Tight end, you know, in in sort of the red zone area, kind of like him. You know what? I'll take some input, but I think that's where where I'm leaning. I'm leaning with with uh, Nikola Kalinich here. You can't go wrong with him. I mean, he showed he didn't rack up big numbers in the CFL or anything like that, but he's shown that he can catch the ball and do a good job in that manner. He's a huge dude, so yeah, I like that pick. Uh, okay. Next up, defensive line. This is where things get a little. Dicier. I didn't find, at least when I was doing my like preliminary list of guys here, didn't find a, a ton of options here. So who are you taking as your lone defensive lineman? I'm going with the sack leader in the CFL, Mr. Matthew Betts. Uh, Mr. Doesn't deserve his contract because he's no good. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> you remembered that, did you? Yes. And, uh, you know, he's shown that he's a pretty darn good football player. And like you, I had a tough time like finding line linemen. Um, especially in the NFL, but uh, I'll stick with Matthew Betts, a, a solid Canadian in the CFL. Yeah. I, I don't have anything else to add. I'm taking him as well. I think he's the best Canadian defensive lineman in the CFL. He's the best Canadian defensive lineman, in my opinion, in the world right now. 
Uh, I know there's some guys down in the Brent Urban's in the NFL. Christian Covington was. I'm not sure if he still is, but there's some guys in the NFL, Neville Gallimore. But when it comes to if he's a pass rusher, and that's I think what this sort of lineman role is supposed to be in flag, kind of gets after the quarterback. You want the guy who's leading his league in sacks. So I'm with you, Matthew Betts as well. All right, who's your linebacker for this squad? This was another one which was a a little easier than defensive line. There's a lot more linebackers out there, but not the easiest position to fill. Who do you like here? Yeah, there's a couple guys that are floating around in the NFL, like Jesse Lacuda, I mm-hmm. believe that pronounce his name. But I'm going to go with uh, Cam Judge, and I know he's a bit of a, you know, dickhead, a bit of a douchebag for yeah, a douchebag for lack of a better phrase for sending that Ticat player into the goalpost a couple weeks ago. But he is a hell of a player, so I'll go with him. Yeah, he's on the list, much to my dismay. You mentioned uh, there's a lot of good players here. Jesse Laqueta, who plays in the NFL. BC's got a pair. I ended up going with Jordan Williams from the Toronto Argonauts. He hasn't played a ton this year. I think he's been hurt a little bit, but he's kind of the heir apparent to Enoch Muamba there. I mean, he's basically taken over for him. Because even though Mwamba is signed by the Argos, hasn't played a single game this year, which I, I find kind of interesting that they would bring him back. He hasn't played. I don't recall him being super injured. I wonder if he's going to come back for the playoffs. And it's one of those, like, uh, wasn't it? Wasn't it the Tampa Bay Lightning in the NHL had a guy on injured the injured list the entire year, and then yeah. when the salary cap doesn't count, they brought him back for the playoffs. I do wonder if the Argos will do the same thing. Um, but I'm going to go with Jordan Williams. I think he's a hell of a linebacker. He's a young guy. I think he's going to be, uh, he's going to be pretty good. All right. Who is, uh, let's get to your DBs. we got three of them here. Although one's kind of like a DB slash linebacker, you know, your Sam linebacker type, but there's a, there's a ton of safeties in the CFL and the NFL that can fill that role. So where are you going with your DBs here, Mike? So I got, uh, Tavon Campbell, a guy who used to play in the CFL, mm-hmm. but it is now down in the NFL, uh, a great, uh, defensive back, and I got two guys from our team, Adelike and Castantonis. Um, oh, okay. Two of the best uh, D- Canadian DBs in the CFL, and I want them on my team. Wow, you went uh, you went very Canadian football. You went more CFL heavy than I ended up going with with mine. Um, so Sydney Brown, I got Chase Brown on the team. I'm I'm bringing Sydney in as well. I'm I'm using him as as one of my DBs. He's a hell of a player. Plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Went with his twin to the University of Illinois. So I'm bringing him on the roster. There's a lot of good young Canadian DBs in the NFL, and one of the best plays for the Miami Dolphins, named Javon Holland, went to the University of Oregon. Just a heck of a I, I don't know. He starts for the for the Miami Dolphins. He's he was great at Oregon. It, it's really hard to not bring him, and and that leaves one more spot for me and Mike. That's uh, probably a homer pick, but I'm also taking Stavros Katzentonis. It's funny. Before we hit record, I actually went on Twitter and he had put out a tweet that tagged Football Canada, saying like, "When can I sign up for this flag football thing?" He wants to play in the Olympics. And I mean, who wouldn't potentially win a gold medal in the Olympics as a football player would be awesome. So uh, be, that is what put, I was I was debating between him, Tunde, and Mark Antoine Decroix from the Alouettes. And that tweet when I saw it, I was like, nope, that pushes over the edge. I'm bringing him. He's also I think he's a versatile guy too, right? Like 
He's he does play safety, but I think he can play. And he's a ball hawk, so he's probably gonna get a ton of interceptions. So that's where I went there. So if I'm, we're looking at this roster here, you got Nathan Rourke, Chuba Hubbard, Josh Palmer, Nick Dembski, Nikhil Harry as your offense. On defense, you got Matthew Betts, Cam Judge, Adela Kay, Devon Campbell, and Stavros Katsantonis. My offense is Nathan Rourke. So our quarterbacks wash each other out. I got Chase Brown, John Mechie, Josh Palmer, and Nikola Kalinic. Defensive line, we have both have Matthew Betts. I got Jordan Williams as my linebacker. And our DBs, with the, our two of the three are different. I got Sidney Brown, Javon Holland, and Stavros Katsantonis. I'm going to put these rosters out uh, in the old Twitter sphere to see which lineup people like better. It's really going to come down to, I think, the kind of the offensive quote unquote skill positions because our running backs are different. We got two of three different players at receiver. And then I guess our, our secondary is kind of where it'll, I don't I guess, I guess it depends. Our quarterbacks, usually that would be the, Oh, who's ever got the better quarterback, but we got the same one. So I'm kind of curious. I, I like your team. I like my team. Now that this is all played out. Which, which squad do you think would win this one? Oh, you're going to well, say your own. You're going to say your own. Of course you're going to say your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, let's let's see. I wonder if they'd uh, you know play a game for us. You know, let's just ask them nicely, get get them <laughs> the same city, and uh, they can play for our enjoyment. Just just you and I. Yes, I mean, and we got and you know what, and we've got some same players here, so we wouldn't have to bring in two complete rosters. You know what I mean? Like we'd only have like Nathan Rourke can play quarterback for both teams, and yeah, yeah it'd be I don't know what, what I I just think this would be like. If they don't let pros into the Olympics to do this, I think my interest in it dwindles significantly. What about you? Like, it, it's got to be pro. Like, they let pros play in every other sport. Why wouldn't they let them play football as well? Might be a little tough to get CFL guys in there, though, because the season will be going on. Would they have, mm-hmm. like, how, I wonder how that would work. Yeah, I wonder if they'd take a two-week break like they do in other sports. Uh, yeah. They, they used to do it with, with hockey. I know that they don't send their... NHL doesn't send their players anymore, and yeah. I think that that's hurt Stupid the uh, decision. Yeah, I think so. I think that a lot of people just don't even watch anymore, which makes me question their, you know, national pride type of thing. It's like, oh, if it's not the best, then I don't want to watch it. Um, which is a lot of, you know, attitude a lot of people have. But I yeah, think well, it, you know, you know what that does though? It also tells me that people say that they're hockey fans. But they're not hockey fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I got no problems with people wanting to see best on best. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's what sports is supposed to be. It's supposed to be your their best versus your best and see who wins. But there's a lot of people up here who say, oh, I love hockey. And it's like, oh, well, did you watch the Olympics? And it's like, no, because it's not the pros. It's like, well, do you really like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not shaming anyone for that because I'm sure there are a ton of people, probably a lot of people that listen to the show that are guilty of that. And I mean, I just said like. I mean, it's not like I watch flag football, but I just said, like, I'm a little, I would be less enthused to watch it if it wasn't. I would feel the same way if I'm being honest, like, you know, if it's uh, a bunch of CFL and NFL players playing for Canada against, uh, you know, top end competition from the States, I'm going to be more interested. It's just the way it is. But, but even so, even if it wasn't, I think I'd probably, you know, I'd probably watch just to, uh, you know, I'd probably be cheering for Canada to see how they do and all that stuff. But yeah, it definitely the interest would drop a little bit for me as well if it wasn't pros. I wonder if they do it like they do with um like curling where they have like those like curling trials and like the team that wins 
is the mm. Olympic representative. And I wonder if they would do that. The same thing with sort of football. It's like, we'll have this massive nationwide flag football tournament and the team that wins, which is Ontario's, you know, 17 to 23 year old team. They won. They get to represent Canada. I wonder if maybe that's something they would consider doing if they can't get the pros involved. Those team would there be like teams that are already assembled and then I I guess I don't know. I'm not sure. Again, it, we got I'd a long like, time to figure this out, but I, I'm kind of curious as to how it's all going to work out because uh, <laughs> you, you want to be an Olympian. I want to be an Olympian. Yeah, I want to be the quarterback. You know what I mean? Like if Nathan Rourke's not playing, then why can't Mike Graham be the quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? When when I think of Nathan Rourke after him, the next name I think of Mike Graham. is Mike Graham. That's definitely the the one that yeah. comes up next. I mean, I would try to convince some of my younger friends. If, if this is a thing where you just kind of put a team together and can enter a tournament, like, yeah, why not? Fuck it, I'll, throw my, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Could you imagine I'm at the Olympics? I mean, it's yeah. never going to happen, but I mean, what the hell? Why not give it a try? Man can dream, can he? I mean, could you imagine? Be, I, be, I would be a... 46 year old olympian like i'd be one of the oldest olympic athletes of all time oh yeah i'm not far behind you bud so you know what, we though? can anchor gold medals in our in our, uh, in our system. <laughs> we can we can add it to the fact that we're both in the canadian football hall of fame exactly well i, I don't know if we are anymore because you know, i'm not sure if we are anymore either i I've, I've been up to the the club level of tim horton's field a number of times where all the hall of fame stuff is i don't ever see that fan cup and maybe yeah. I'm just not looking hard enough, but I don't know. We were at one point Hall of Famers. And yeah. I mean, once, once a Hall of Famer, always a Hall of Famer. They can't take that away from you. I mean, they let OJ stay in the Hall of Fame. He killed somebody. Exactly. Killed multiple people. And, you know, just because we're not in the Hall of Fame doesn't mean we're not in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Exactly. We were at one time, our names were in the Hall of Fame. And you can't take that away from us. I haven't murdered anybody. I won't want to speak for you, but I'm assuming you haven't murdered anybody. There's no reason to take our names out. We were Hall of no. Famers once. We're Hall of Famers forever. And then we can add an Olympic gold medal to it. The thing is, though, if it's if it's just teams like that can like form out of nowhere, there's there's a group of like 50 year old men that are going to form a team and just kick the living shit out of everybody. You know what I mean? Like one of those beer league teams where it's like this. Although well, I used to play quarterback for the University of Tulsa, and it's like he can still rip it. You know what I mean? And like that's gonna <laughs> that I think would be even more fun if it's a bunch of old dudes. And old yeah. women, like if it's if it's mixed gender teams, like I don't even know if it's going to be like, is it going to be a boys team? Is it going to be a girls team? Is it going to be mixed gender? Like who knows? But if there's no pros in there, like I want to see it get weird. So give me the like 48 year old beer league team that just runs roughshod over all these like 22 year old kids. That to me would be the best. Now, can you, is there any physicality allowed at all? Like if some guy's trying to get your flag, can you like push him away? Or like you just I can't? I don't think so. I think it's got to be like, agility and like my my cousin's husband before they moved out east he was playing flag football or was it touch football i don't remember they were playing football at like there's a place called player's paradise it's like a it's where the tie cats practice when it's like really shitty weather out then they turned it into a grow up and then that failed and then they went back now it's back to being player's paradise and he used to play there and i i think i don't recall there being a ton of physicality it was like I don't think you could stiff arm people or drop your shoulder or anything like that. Like, I think it's like you had to like bob and weave your way to get them. And I think it was like five downs to score the length of the field to score a touchdown. There were like no kicks or anything like that, but I don't entirely remember how it went, but that's, that's where I kind of remember where, where, how it was like. I've looked into like getting into a touch or a flag football league around here. I've, I've seen some things, but 
it'd be fun just to get into, you know, as an activity, like, you know, to get out and play a sport. I haven't played a <laughs> yeah, sport. I, I would agree with you if I didn't watch my dearest, oldest friend try to kick a soccer ball this spring and completely blow out his, like, broke his ankle, like, slipping on the ground. And then I was like, we're fucking old. Like, we can't do this anymore. Like, we were literally kicking a soccer ball with his little kid. And it's like, he goes to do, like, a back heel kick and he slips on and... He's next thing you know, he's lying on the ground. I'm like, Hey, is everything okay? He's like, I broke my ankle. And I look at his foot and his foot was pointing in a way that it should not have been. And I was just like, yeah, okay. That's we're pretty old. And then, Oh, I, you know what? We'll finish off with a funny story of me. Make, I just outed my friend for being a klutz. I'll make fun of myself here, Mike. So the same, same friend, his son had a birthday and he's really big into soccer. I think I've talked to you about this, maybe on Mike, maybe off Mike. I don't remember. They got him like, you know, one of those like running parachutes that like you use to get like resistance. Yeah. Um, athletes use, they got him one of those. So he attaches it to him. He runs across their front lawn. Then he looks at me because even though I'm 41 years old, I still pretend like I'm 21. And he's like, well, you got to give it a try. Okay. I'll give it a try. And I, I ran and I did it. And I was like, uh, like, I didn't feel like I got enough resistance. Like it didn't feel as if it worked. So then I keep it on and I go to run the other way. Now my friend's front lawn is a little bumpy. They've had a lot of like they were building a house there and they've had a lot of stuff done. And it's not exactly even terrain. So I'm and I'm giving her like I'm running as fast as I can. And I hit a pothole and it wasn't that I fell. It was that I was running and I put my one foot down. And as I'm putting that one down, like I mean, I'm just describing how you run before the other foot got down. I felt my other foot come off the ground and then realized that the first foot hadn't touched ground because it was under like it was further below my foot than it should have been because there was a little divot. And I went ass over tea kettle and I'm rolling, rolling, rolling. And I was like, I think I just broke every bone in my body. Got up. I was fine. Just a little, you know, pride was wounded a little bit. Cause like everyone was there to watch it happen. <laughs> and it had come like two and a half, three months after he had busted his ankle. So it's like, it's kind of worried. And I'm just like, Oh, you stupid old man. Like you, I guess got to stop doing stuff like that. Like I got to, I got, I got to understand I am not, it's not 2003. It's 2023. I'm not 21 anymore. Like I'm an old man. I've got gray in my beard. I'm curmudgeonly like stop doing this stuff. But I mean, I do it again. <laughs> yeah. I, you don't feel it until you actually do it. Like I feel like I'm still 21 um, until I try to do something. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not that anymore. Um, I threw my shoulder out doing yoga. Mike, I threw my shoulder out doing yoga. Like you're not supposed yeah. to hurt yourself doing you, people with shoulder injuries do yoga to recuperate. Yeah, I was doing it and hurt myself. Yeah, it doesn't take much these days. You know, the one wrong step and you can throw it your back. I'm I threw I've thrown out my back a couple times, so I'm extra cautious. But it doesn't take a lot, right? Like it doesn't. You don't do it when you're lifting something super heavy. It's like the you know the thing that you're not worried about, and then you're like, oh god, and uh, and then yep. that's it. That's it. So. We are all right. Well, I guess that's it for old men complain about sore bones and the fact that they're not young anymore. Uh, But that was Ponsky for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.